Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship gathering at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Please sit back and enjoy our teaching time now with lead pastor, John Buckley. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. first Sunday of Advent, we celebrate hope found in Jesus Christ. that passage in Isaiah, the thing that sticks out to me as I thought about it is in chapter 59 of Isaiah leading up to that, is there was a judgment that was God was proclaiming on Israel for once again wandering away from him. And the thing I always love about God as I read through the Old Testament is even though he judged sin, he always left hope for the people. They were never fully abandoned. They were never fully lost. They were never in a state where they would never be able to have redemption. And even though Israel is in trouble here and she's being judged by God, there is hope. And one day God will restore his people. One day God will once again raise them up. His message to them is the same message that is to us today. Don't lose hope. Let me read that passage one more time, Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Now this month, we're going to be focusing on Advent. And we're going to be taking the theme of the gifts of Christmas, We're going to focus on four different gifts that Christ gives to us or God gives to us through Christ. Today we're going to be talking about hope. Next week we'll talk about love, then we'll talk about joy, and on Christmas Eve we'll talk about peace. Now for many of us, as as is myself, the concept of Advent is pretty foreign. I grew up in a pretty conservative church, and we wouldn't do anything that sounded anything like what we would consider the mainline denominations. So we avoided that, and a couple years ago, I just kept hearing about this and said, I've never really ever researched what Advent is, and wow, has it been an amazing journey, and a longer journey as I processed and prayed, and I'm excited to be able to go with you on this journey as we take an opportunity to really experience Advent together as a church. I love what we heard earlier. Advent is waiting with eager anticipation. Now, that sounds an awful lot like Christmas, doesn't it? 
Me being a father of four has had many an early morning on Christmas when, by the way, they couldn't get out of bed early any other day of the year. But they would come scampering into my bedroom or running down the stairs, which that's the joy is as your kids get older. When they hit the teen years, I was actually up before them. I could enjoy a cup of coffee before they got down there and read the Bible before they got there. But they were younger, that eager anticipation. I remember even as a child, there'd be something coming up, an amusement park or a party or something like that. And I remember thinking, I don't want to go to sleep tonight because I'm so excited. And then what if, what, what if something happens and I can't do it tomorrow, but I need to stay awake for all this. And, and that frequently obviously happens with children and even adults at times as we eagerly anticipate. But of course, one of the key ingredients for waiting is hope. Hope that you're waiting, hope that what you're waiting for will really happen. Hope that what you're waiting for will, will really be worth it. Now, the challenge with waiting is we're not necessarily sure how long that waiting will be. And especially in our culture, we live in a culture that's very designed for immediate gratification. We all get irritated at long lines in whatever venue you'd like to choose. Whether that's waiting in a car, waiting in the grocery store, waiting at the bank, whatever it might be. But there's hope that can come if we learn that it is worth the wait. And today what we're going to do is unpack hope past, hope present, and hope future. Now, as soon as I started reading and going over that, I thought, of course, we're going to think of one of my three favorite Christmas movies that I still like to watch every year. And this is the one time of year I probably don't mind black and white films. Um, I love a movie called The Bishop's Wife. If you've never seen it, I encourage you to watch it. I love It's a Wonderful Life, which I find there's a very varied opinion on that. I actually had one person say, I hate that movie. I'm like, oh, what do you hate about it? I've never seen it. I just hate it because I see it all the time. I don't know if that really works there. And then I love the movie The Christmas Carol. The transformation that takes place. And of course, even thinking of the cultural reasons that Charles Dickens wrote that but really, there's a lot that can be taught, and even as I watch it, I think back to the life that I live and the choices that are made, and I think it ties so nicely into hope. So I want to start today with hope past. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says this, now faith, listen to this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of things hoped for. Now, when we talk about hope past, we have to talk, talk about hope past that looked for a Messiah. Now, Israel was promised a Messiah, and most of the nation of Israel watched the horizon waiting for a conquering king that would take away the Roman rule and free them so they could be the nation that God wanted them to be. And he did come as a conquering king but not to defeat the enemies that were seen, but the enemy that was unseen. We will still see that conquering king as he defeats all nations, but he defeated the devil, he defeated death, he defeated hell by coming to this earth to free us from damnation that we might have life eternal. And he lived a sinless life after his birth. He died on the cross and he was buried. And if it ended there, folks, as I said before, we would be wasting our time gathering here today. But he rose again. And he conquered death, hell, 
and the grave. But the nation of Israel as a whole was not looking for a Messiah to save them from their sins. They were caught up in their religiosity. They were caught up in their traditions and in their practices and in their national pride, and they failed to see that Jesus really had come to be their Messiah. He came so innocently and yet so powerfully to fulfill God's judgment, justice on mankind, and that was our redemption. Luke chapter 2 and verses 8 through 14 says this. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were feared, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Folks, this is the important phrase, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. <laughs> and suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Christ came to make a way that all might experience his redeeming love. But we must understand as we sit here today that Hope Past looked for a Messiah. Hope Past also gives confidence in what's next. See, we stand here now on the other side of the birth of Christ. We know the story. In fact, probably to some of it in ad nauseum. It's over and over and over again, like some of the Christmas shows that are on TV. Oh yeah, I know Jesus died. I know what he did. I know he was born. I know the whole story. And we oftentimes lose the powerful significance of this time of year, and we get caught up in all the trappings, and we forget the purpose we forget the fact that we have confidence in what's to come because of what has already happened. We have seen hope fulfilled in those Israelites that saw Jesus as truly the Messiah, and that gives us confidence that what God says he'll do, he does. And we live in a world where integrity is lacking. We first question people rather than trust them. Because so often we've been disappointed by them. The promises that have been broken, the backs that have been stabbed. But we can with confidence say, I can trust God. He is the one who brought the Messiah as a baby who was born to die for my sins. And I can have confidence that he will come again. Now faith is the assurance in things hoped for hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We can have that confidence. Glory be to God. When I lay down at night, if I die in my sleep, as I leave this building, whatever may happen, I have confidence because of my relationship with Jesus Christ that I will see him face to face. Hope past gives confidence in what's next. Second thing I'd like to talk to you about is hope present. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. 
And again, another great passage. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor. A sure and steadfast anchor. We have this for our soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't had a whole lot of experience with anchors. I am not a person that goes out fishing. Um, I was on a big ship one time, though, one of those big, huge battleships, and I saw the anchor they have, and oh my goodness, I started asking the guy about this anchor. I said, man, that's a big anchor, but this is a big ship. How do you really, how does that work? And uh, in my mind, I'm thinking they drop the anchor to kind of drag it to a stop. He goes, no, you cut the engines and you come to a stop, but the anchor is the thing that will always keep us in place, even in the midst of a storm. I thought, wow, that's a cool way of describing what an anchor is all about. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. See, hope present demands belief in hope past. Hope present demands belief in hope past. Today, we all live in a world of hopelessness. We really do. When you think of all the things that are on the rise because of the stresses of the world, not wondering what's next, people that won't watch the news anymore, people that don't want to pick up a newspaper anymore, people that don't want to hear what's going to go on in the world because it all seems so horrible. And as much as it hurts my heart to see the horribleness of our world, folks, this is a time above other times, and it has been seen in history past, that when the world is the darkest, the light shines the brightest. Folks, in this hopeless world, they want hope. And we who have a relationship with Christ have that hope. We know what's going to happen when we die. And they want to know what it is. And yet we're held back by fear. We're held back by pride to share with them of what has already happened and the confidence that gives us of what is to come. So don't be discouraged or give up or say, wow, everything's bad. Exactly, what a perfect time to say, and let me tell you the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came to die for your sins and rose again and conquered death, hell, and the grave, that you might have eternal life. If you're sitting here as a child of God, you and I have a sure and steadfast anchor. But the key is not to just know the story of the Christ child, but to live like he still lives today. Did you hear that? The key is not just to know the story of the Christ child, but to live life like he still lives today, because he does. If you're a child of God here, you have the Spirit of God living in you. If you're a child of God, we know that he's up in heaven preparing a place for us that we'll someday get to experience a place we know is called heaven. But if you're not a child of God, then this can only happen if you believe and receive the gifts, the gift, excuse me, that was given to us by Christ. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 through, through verse 38 says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now listen. And Mary said to the angel, listen to her response. How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will... Um, excuse me, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now Mary hears all that. Can imagine the fear. Can imagine the hesitation, the wonder, the overwhelmingness of what she's hearing by an angel from God? And yet listen to Mary's response. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Whew, this is big. This is overwhelming. But you know what? I am a servant of the Lord. I am supposed to follow what he says what his word indicates that I should do, I can have confidence in that. And she had known how God could already be trusted by what he'd done in the past. She was seeing fulfilled right in front of her what she'd heard about since she was a little girl. She believed those promises that were fulfilled long ago and knew now that she was going to be a part of that in being the one that God called. Do you and I believe that what God has said he'll do, he'll do perhaps through us? See, God's not done working, folks. And there's a world out here that needs you and I to go out and to be sharing the gospel. It's not something that somebody else is supposed to do. It's not something that's supposed to be done by somebody that knows more about the Bible, who's been a Christian longer, who attends the church all the time. It's a calling that all Christians have to carry out that message because we can have confidence in our present day that that hope is still alive. Hope also brings, hope present also brings peace in the presence of conflict. See, the world has taken away from us the joy of anticipated waiting and we just rush. We rush from site to site, from spot to spot, from task to task, from person to person, rarely taking time. Our sleep is affected by it. We have to have things on all the time. We can't even stand silence for a few moments. And this time of year brings more stress, anguish, and hopelessness than any other time of the year. Why is that? The devil doesn't need us to reject the idea of Christ being born but he certainly doesn't want us dwelling on it or making lifestyle changes as a result of it. When you hear that again, the devil doesn't need us to reject the idea of Christ being born, but he certainly does not want us dwelling on it 
are making lifestyle changes as a result of it. This is a season of expectation, a chance to align ourselves with God's presence. As you heard earlier, I love that phrase Kirsten read, align ourselves with God's presence more than just a hectic season of presence, the ones you lay around the Christmas tree. And if you're going to go to so many parties and are so caught up in spending so much money and time and buying gifts and seeing people that you don't have time to spend some alone time to reflect on the hope we have in Christ, then I would urge you strongly to change your schedule. Maybe it's getting up earlier or staying up later or maybe saying no to things you'd prefer to say yes to and to be able to take some time to enjoy God's presence because that's what brings peace in the time of conflict. Just making more noise only adds more stress. Hope comes when you allow your focus to be on the real reason, the Messiah, the Redeemer. That's what brings hope in the midst of our conflicts. And last, I want to talk about hope future. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. For in this hope, for in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is not, excuse me, now hope that is seen is not hope, right? I don't hope if I see it. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Now, I am like many of you. There have been times at two in the morning that I just say to God, please come back now. I am so over this world. And there's other times, if we're honest, that we go, Lord, don't come back till whatever that date might be. For some, that date is, oh, I can't wait to marry that person. I can't wait to celebrate that event. I can't wait to go to that situa- go in that situation. And there's a part of us that gets so caught up that we want to see God wait. But more often than not, as you get older, there's a lot more days where you go, as the end of the Bible says, even so, come quickly. How about now, God? How about right now? But hope future demands patience. Waiting can be torturous to our soul. (laughs) Just watch any little child who has to wait on Christmas morning, as we said, and you can easily sympathize for the things that we eagerly wait for. We've all been times like that when we just want it and we want it now. And it doesn't hurt that our culture, it doesn't help, excuse me, that our culture is demanding that same thing. But patience. I had a pastor friend that used to tell me he loved to go to the malls on Christmas Eve, which I thought, you're a lunatic. I said, why? And he goes, I don't go to buy presents. I just go to watch people. I said, oh, interesting. And he goes, when I watch how crazy they get, I'm reminded that I live that way way too much of the year. Hmm, interesting perspective. Demands patience. I've been trying to do that more often, and those of you that know me know I am not a good sit-still type guy. My wife is down in preschool. She would be laughing up here in the front row. I don't even sit still well. We went to a concert with some folks from the church. I was sitting by Eric Redberg, and I warned him ahead of time, I'm a fidgeter. I'm just warning you, I'm going to be moving around a lot while we're sitting here. 
I just, I, I'm either sleeping or I'm moving. I don't like sit still well. I'm, it's hard, and I've been trying really hard, especially since my sabbatical, to find times that I'll just go to like a park and I'll just park the car and turn off the engine and turn off the radio and just talk to God. Just commune. Just be quiet. I'd love to tell you I got it licked way far from it, but we're starting down that journey because I know that hope future demands patience. And hope future, I love this part, brings purpose now. See, worldly hope, unfortunately, is characterized by doubt, by uncertainty, and a lack of control, but that's not what hope means to a believer. It's the awesome thing about the weight we're currently experiencing does not have to be a passive waiting like a patient does in a doctor's office. I had to go into the dentist this week, my least favorite people in the world. I feel bad for dentists because I don't know anybody that likes them. I mean, who likes to have it? Their mouth shot and your face is numb. And, uh, oh, it's just always fun. And I've had to go for a couple of different things. And I'm waiting in there, and you're waiting, and I'm just, in your mind, you're just thinking of the pain you're going to have to endure and the uncomfortableness. And, you know, who likes to just sit there with your mouth wide open all the time? And then they talk to you. And when they find you're a pastor, they really like to talk to you. And I, uh, I've given up talking. Uh, uh, I'll go there. Uh-huh, that's about it. But we can understand and appreciate the fact that waiting for us as Christians doesn't mean just doing nothing. There's also an activeness to it. See, God, doesn't give, God has given us specific things we can do while we're waiting. But woe to those of you Marthas that are out there. And by the way, I'm one of them. Taking time to reflect and be refreshed in his presence alone is one of the responsibilities that he gives for us. We have to learn to wait with joy. Learn to wait with joy. Knowing it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. There will be a day coming, folks, of complete fulfillment. Some of you, unfortunately, it will happen in natural death or maybe even horrific death, something we don't like to think about. But it's probably going to happen in a room this size. I've done four funerals since we started the church nine years ago. There were people connected to our church. Three of the four were overdoses, young people. Only one was an older person in our church, Midge Price. We live in a world that we're going to still experience death, and it's hard. It hurts. There's empty seats. But I love the confidence we can have that if they are a child of God, we'll see them again. What an amazing thing. But some of us here probably will be around when that trumpet sounds that we're told of. The Bible says, and the dead will rise first. I would just try to visualize that. Can't even imagine. And then those, the Bible says, of us that are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet him in the clouds, and so will we ever be with the Lord. It'll be over. No more backaches, no more empty bank accounts, no more broken relationships, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. We'll be with Christ. So while we're waiting patiently, we need to be designing in our lives time to be quiet and reflect. And we need to design times 
to go out and to serve and to connect and to love and to forgive and to live the life that God has asked us to do because hope future brings peace now. So how will we live it? How do we take this stuff we've been hearing today? The first thing I want to encourage you is be purposeful in taking time to imprint the reason for the season. Now, that word imprint is a really interesting word. In fact, it's a beautiful picture of that is in the natural world. When a baby duck is born, the first thing it sees, they make cartoons about this, but the first thing it sees, it starts to imprint or adopt in is that's its mother, that it will follow wherever that mother takes it and will rely completely on that mother that leads it and guides it. It's an imprinting that takes place. So what I think we need to understand and when it comes to the word imprint in our situation is that this time of year that we need to imprint on our life isn't about writing cards to people we don't ever talk to and buying presents for people that we don't like. It needs to be more about what we can do to really be able to reflect back on Christmas as a time that we see with joyful anticipation as we await it again instead of a holiday to get through. So if that's going to take place, though, you've got to be willing to change things in your lives today. Secondly is be purposeful in taking time to preserve the current workings of God. God's at work right now. So what are we doing to make sure that we preserve that? Well, we do a God story time. Maybe you journal. Maybe you tell each other along the way. You put it up on social media. But are there purposeful ways that we take time to be able to share? God is at work, folks. In this hopeless world, we need to be the ones out there going, there is hope. And let me tell you what God just did. Let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my Savior. And you tell those stories. You tell the story that Gail shared and go, man, you won't believe what happened to this lady in our church, her family. You go back to the simplicity of what a Shiloh shared. I'm thankful that Jesus was born. See, those are the stories. And everybody likes a story. So let's preserve the workings of God by sharing the stories instead of being silent when we have those opportunities. And I encourage you with this. If you pray for God to give you those opportunities, they will come. Last, be purposeful in living out the whole reason that you're still here. God could have saved you and brought you to heaven. Again, for some of us, that would have been awesome. But he didn't. God in his master plan decided to use us broken, sinful people to be the ones to carry out his work around other broken, sinful people. As we go on the process of sanctification, we're supposed to be used of God to do that, to make sure we're sharing the gospel, to make sure we're making disciples and being disciples, to be the ones giving, to be the ones living out his principles in an active way, practicing forgiveness, practicing care, practicing mercy to those that are around us. So I encourage you, what's one way that you can live out the reason that you're still here today? I encourage you to consider that each day of your week. I'm here today, God. How can I live out what you've asked us 
to do, what you've asked me to do. Hope, anticipated waiting, eagerly waiting. But remember, it is waiting. He is coming back again. We don't know when, but we know it's happening because Christ was born, and we know that. Because we see God working in our present day, and he will be coming again. And that is something that we can have hope in. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that as we as a church family experience this Advent season, that we won't just come and do the activities, but we will live out what we're learning. We control our schedule much more than we act like we do, God. And I pray that we would have the courage to make the changes that we need to make so that we can truly be the people of God that you've called us to be, God. Help these discussions and families to be done with grace and mercy and understanding. But Lord, help us as families to be united on stepping up and doing the things that you have asked us to do, actually demanded it for us to do in your word. Thank you, Lord, for hope. Lord, on the rough days, it's great to have that confident hope that I will see you one day. We will see you one day. In your precious name we ask this. Amen.